Um, today, um, I actually didn't get much past the introduction in, in 1 Peter, so we're going to be spending most of our time in the first two verses, but I hope that um, it'll be engaging enough, and then maybe later down the track I might get a chance to, to preach further down um, into 1 Peter. You'll notice there in the, ver- the very first verse that it says, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the, pro- the provenances of, um, and it mentions five different places there. Um, different Bible verses have, versions have different words for those a few introduction words. So uh, we also see that where it says exiles, it might, in, our, in your version, it might say strangers in the world, or it even might say aliens. So when you hear those words um, throughout this, this sermon, you might, um, yep, so that's, they all mean the same thing, a similar thing, but we'll, we'll find out as we go. A couple of years ago, Celia and I um, were privileged enough to go to a National Foods Awards dinner in Melbourne. Um, and we had to dress up and have our photo taken. Um, we were eating things I don't really know how to describe. Um, and we, we got to talk to business entrepreneurs who've like poured their blood, sweat and tears into producing this product. And that's why they were there at this award, devoted years into producing something they were really proud of. And all that we had done was dress up and put a nice shirt on. We felt a bit like imposters. We also felt like we are entering another world, um, this foodie world, where people dressed different, they talked different. Um, I wonder if you've had moments like that when you felt a bit out of place, when this wasn't your scene, you don't really belong there? Well, do you feel like this as a Christian sometimes? Do you feel different, like you don't fit in all the time? Is it because you go to church? Is there a difference between the things that you value uh, compared to the things that your, your friends who aren't Christian, who don't follow Jesus, are there, is there a difference there? Do you value different things to them? Well, I think what we see in Peter today as we open up this book is, I think he's reminding us that that is exactly right, that we should feel different, that we are different. Peter says that we are, uh, to the Christians who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire, uh, you are strangers in the world, you are exiles. The question I ask you today, is that you? Are you strangers uh, in the world? Or are you just like everyone else? Uh, So let's read the first verse there. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. Well, we see in these op- this opening verse here, Peter is reminding these Christians who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire that your identity is in God. Look what it says there, to God's elect. Exiles scattered throughout uh, the Roman Empire. God has chosen you. See, Peter could have very easily opened this letter and you know, said something like, to, to my fellow believers or to the churches uh, here and here. But no, he says, 
to God's elect, strangers in the world. Seems a bit strange, doesn't it? We don't often write a letter uh, to people like that, do we? But what does Peter mean? Well, to understand this, we're going to look back at the Old Testament narrative um, because I think that's the language that Peter uses here. And we're also going to look at what the context that Peter was writing in, what what was the context he was writing in there, and and then we're going to try and understand what that means for us, what it means for our identity. You see, if you you ask a Jew what the most significant event in their Bible, their Hebrew Bible is, they would most likely say it was the Exodus uh, from Egypt. It is a remarkable story, isn't it? We, We can read it in our Bibles, where God intervenes, and he redeems this community from slavery. And there's this colossal exodus. Um, God gathers them together and he parts the Red Sea. And in this amazing moment, uh, Israel community walks through on dry land and he puts them on a path towards the promised land, the land that God promised them. And what God is doing here is he's sort of putting a rubber stamp on this community God has chosen for himself a people. And do you remember what we read in Deuteronomy? That that this people was a treasured possession. You know, they're bound in God's covenant of love. And then we fast forward some years and uh, we, we see that Israel did go into the land. They inhabited the land that God promised them. But then people forgot, didn't they? They disobeyed. Um, God. They broke their covenant that God had made with them and they were sent into exile. They became exiles living in Babylon, strangers in a foreign nation. You can get an idea of what that would have been like if you read the book of Daniel. But this is the language that Peter's picking up here in this first verse uh, of 1 Peter. Uh, he even uses the word Babylon in chapter 5, um, and this acts as a sort of code word for Rome. Peter, you can substitute Babylon for Rome when, we, when you read it in this, this letter. He's, lit, he's very purposefully comparing their situation in Rome to God's remnant exiles who were suffering in Babylon. So we're just renting our house. We live in Evandale. Um, it's a really lovely spot. We love it. We've got a veggie patch we've put in and we put the furniture in the house where we like it. But we know at any time the owners could take back their house. They could uh, paint their house pink. They could put up the rent. They could take out our beloved fireplace and put in a fan heater. We could feel unwelcomed. See, at the end of the day, we, were living, we are living as strangers in their house. We can feel like that as Christians sometimes, can't we? We're living in Tasmania, we're here in Hadspen, but we're not a Christian nation anymore. Maybe we never were a Christian nation. We're not in a world where everyone recognises Jesus is the Lord. And I reckon if you asked a lot of people... People would question if Jesus really lived. See, this is the world we live in at the moment. We are strangers in the world. 
So I wonder, do people look at our lives, do people look at Grace Presbyterian Church and see that we are different? Do they wonder why we are so different? Well, let's look at the context of what Peter was writing in now. And and in around 64 AD, in July, um, Rome burnt to the ground. Some people think it was the Emperor Nero at the time who instigated the fire so that he could rebuild it and make it more glorious and grand um, than it was. But what Peter, what um, Nero did next was he blamed the Christians for the fire. So as punishment, um, Nero put Christians on pillars around the city. He poured oil on their head and they burnt. And Peter died in this persecution. So this is a bit of an indication for how hostile the Roman Empire was to Christians. It's probably likely that Peter wrote this letter just years um, before this event. And then we read in uh, verse 1 of chapter 4 of Peter, these remarkable words, uh, you can see them there. It might be different in your translation. It says that, um, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. It's remarkable what he said there. See, this context we find Peter really reminds us of the tension that there is when we see that we are elect, when we are chosen by God, and when we are living as strangers in the world. When we belong to God, when we follow Jesus, we live in a world that doesn't follow him and know him. So when we hold these two things together, we should realise that we shouldn't be surprised if and when we suffer. I mean, it's going to be pretty unlikely we're going to suffer like Peter did. Our suffering will look very different. But believing in God in a society that, that doesn't We shouldn't be surprised when we come in the firing line. I haven't worked for a while. Um, I'm at home with our boys most of the time. Um, But it was pretty commonplace when I was working as a builder for the church to be laughed at and scorned in conversation. It was commonplace for Jesus to be used as a swear word Even now, um, on TV, on Facebook, in the public sphere, it's commonplace now for the church to be ridiculed for having conservative views. I mean, these persecutions are pretty mild, but we shouldn't be surprised if and when it gets worse. We shouldn't be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon us. So as we look at our around at ourselves here at Grace Prezi Church. Uh, We see that we're a young church. We're trying to fit into a community and they've been here a lot longer than than we have. Uh, What is there? There's thousands of people in this community and there's a handful of us in this room. So when we talk to people, when we go out with this good news of the gospel, let's not be surprised if people aren't as excited as we are. 
But we know from personal experience that the gospel is really good news. It's good news for all people. And God will, in his mercy, continue to call people to church. And our prayer is that he'll be doing that here at Grace, in Hadspen. And what we can be is excellent examples of what it means to be a stranger in the world. You know, a church who share life together, um, a church who come each week. And, and I just want to say it's, it's great that nearly every week everybody is showing up. That's really encouraging. But we need to remember that God is the one who builds his church. God, God calls people uh, together. He uses our weak efforts to bring the good news of Jesus to the community. But let's not be surprised if the world's a bit hostile to us. So we should remember that we are God's elect, chosen as um, chosen people and living as strangers in the world, as exiles, exiled from, from heaven at the moment. And in verse 2... Uh, Let's read, we, we are, we, he goes on to say how we are chosen and how we now belong to God. So let's read verse 2. Uh, who, have been chosen by, uh, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Uh, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Well, Peter uses a lot of different ways. You can read on later, if you like, different ways of how we become Christian, different ways to describe what a Christian is. Um, in verse 3, you'll notice he uses the language of being born again. You know, we are born again Christians. Uh, he also mentions, verse 8, that uh, we are Christians when we believe in Christ. And in verse 15, he mentions that we have been called. We are being called. See, there are, there are many different ways to describe uh, how we might become Christian. And what we see here in verse 2, uh, we see it is the Trinity. It is God the Father, uh, God the Spirit, and God the Son all working at bringing about our salvation. That is to say, our faith, our Christian identity comes from God. I don't know if you know John Stott. He's a, a pretty famous theologian. He wrote an excellent book um, called The Cross of Christ. He also wrote a book called Why I Am a Christian. And in it, um, I discovered he says this, this quote, and I want to read it um, for you now. Why I Am a Christian. Why am I Christian is due ultimately neither to the influence of my parents and teachers uh, nor to my own personal decision for Christ but to the hound of heaven. That is due to Jesus Christ himself who pursued me relentlessly even when I was running away from him in order to go my own way and if it were not for the gracious pursuit of the hound of heaven, I would today be on the scrap heap of wasted and discarded lives. This is a really um, bold picture of what it is to be chosen by God. 
that Jesus Christ has pursued you relentlessly. And I wonder, do you relate to this testimony? So we know that we, we deserve to be on the scrap heap of wasted and discarded lives. But what has God done in your life? You see, he chose us even if and when we try to run away, when we look at another direction. The command of the triune God is calling you. Has he called you? Has he called your name? So how is it we're chosen? Well, look at verse 2 there. Firstly, it's the, the Father, God the Father at work. And it says, we are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You see, in, in the same way as Christ was foreknown in, before the foundation of the world, um, just as Jesus came to earth and walked in this world and was determined to go to the cross, this happened because God had it planned from the beginning. This was according to God's foreknowledge. Well, in the same way, or a similar way, you have been foreknown from the foundation of the world. We can read that in Ephesians 4, at one, chapter, at one verse 4, sorry, where Paul says, God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. This is a wonderful and mysterious thing that God, in his foreknowledge, um, has chosen us. God, in his foreknowledge, has decided that we would hear his voice and not harden our hearts. That we would taste and see that the Lord is good because God has foreknown it. Well, Peter says um, here that we've been chosen according to God's foreknowledge and then he says through this the sanctifying work of the Spirit. There's a second part of the Trinity there. Well, next week, uh, next week, as Nathan said, he's going to be, be ordained as a minister in the Prezi Church. Um, it's a service where we acknowledge that Nathan's done the right things. He's met the requirements of the Presbyterian Church to become a minister. Uh, it's a great time for us to be thankful to God for his providence but on a broader sense, uh, we see that Nathan has been set apart to minister the word of God to us. He's been set apart to pastor us, uh, to be an under-shepherd under Christ, the head shepherd. Um, but in a similar way, we have also all been set apart. We've been set apart by the sanctifying work of the Spirit See, sanctification is not only how we grow in holiness, but we see it right here in our conversion. When we are chosen by God, we are, we've been sanctified um, by the Spirit. We've been set apart and been restored into a right relationship with God. So that's the second part of the Trinity there uh, in our conversion. Uh, the next thing Peter says uh, is we've been chosen for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood. Well, what is a Christian? Christian is someone who obeys Christ 
A Christian is obedient to Christ, obedient to his word. But he also says there, which might come a bit strange, is, um, and the sprinkling with his blood. Well, what is he meaning here? Well, this, this harks back to another Old Testament reference. It's likely Peter's mentioning this with Exodus 24 in mind. And what happens in this chapter is Moses again is confirming the covenant that God made with his people, where God said that you are my people, a chosen possession, and you are a forgiven people. And he, and he sprinkles the blood, the sacrificial blood, as a demonstration of this covenant again. See, Jesus now has made a new covenant with us, hasn't he? Uh, A new covenant in his blood which has been poured out for many. You see, it's Jesus who makes our obedience perfect. So when Jesus died on the cross, he made right our obedience through forgiveness. So God has chosen us. He chooses us in the immense power of the triune God, the Father, in his foreknowledge and the sanctification of the Spirit and, through, and for obedience to Christ. He does this as we live as strangers in the world. So as we wrap up this introduction, Peter then says something uh, quite lovely. Uh, it's a simple little statement. He says, grace and peace be, be yours in abundance. And why is this such a lovely little statement there? I love going to my parents' house in the summertime because I know there is an abundance of uh, big, plump, juicy strawberries and loganberries and all sorts of delicious things. There's a lot of comfort and joy there. There is more than anyone could ever eat. But Peter's wish for the church in Rome, who are persecuted and suffering, is that grace and peace would be theirs in abundance. Peter's prayer is that they would have a bounty of grace and peace. Well, this is so lovely because the grace, grace is the one thing that we all need. It's the reason that this church is named Grace. Without grace, the church cannot and and doesn't exist. See, every day we need grace. Grace so that we can live as exiles and strangers in the world. So, may grace and peace be yours in abundance. Uh, Let me pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much that uh, you've chosen us chosen us to be your treasured possession. Uh, We thank you that you have called us uh, to be your followers. This is a a wonderful and beautiful gift, a gift of life you've given us. Thank you uh, for the power of the triune God that you are, that that you have uh, chosen us and called us to be yours. And we do pray that your spirit would in every way be with us so that we can live in this world as strangers, as people who have been set apart, 
Please help us as we go out with the good news. Protect us from harm and may we continue to be encouraged as we do this good work. And we, we thank you for your abundant grace and peace in our life and we pray that it would be so every day as we wake up as new mercies, uh, as we wake up to new mercies each and every day. We thank you for that. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.